Nation, thank you for tuning into the Love Quest podcast. Get your Bibles ready, get your notebook, get your coffee, get some water, whatever you need to do, and get ready to receive. The time is right now. Let's go. to these two questions, do you live with urgency and are souls a priority for you? I want you to take mental note of what you said and maybe what you didn't say because the answers to these questions identify your priorities. And so if your priorities are not winning souls, if if you do not feel urgency to know God and make him known, not to be cliche, but here we are, then you need to rework the priorities in your life because we are called as a people to win souls. Because Proverbs 11 verse 30 says, he who wins souls is wise. And we desire to have the wisdom of God because it takes, who knows, it takes wisdom to win souls. It takes wisdom to win souls. So if you wanna gain wisdom, win souls. You'll be amazed at what the Holy Spirit does and births inside you. Awesome. Jasmine, can you go back to slide one for me? Yes. All right. So four weeks ago, Pastor Terrence started with this little phrase. Soul winning is a revolutionary movement. You want a revolution? Thank you. If you want a revolution, if you want to see transformation take place in the world around you, if you want to stand for something that matters, stand for justice, win souls. Winning souls is a revolutionary movement. It is absolutely counter-cultural. It is not the norm. So if you want to go against the grain, do something different, be remembered for something amazing, if you want to stand out, win souls. It's a revolutionary movement. Also, boldness is a choice. We choose whether or not we want to be bold. There's some things that get us excited, some things we're real passionate about. Maybe it's an injustice that we see and we choose boldness in that moment because we feel passion. But there's also an opportunity of maybe things you don't feel passionate about, choose boldness. And then watch and see the passion that will stir up within you, what follows from the choice. Boldness is a choice. So no one can say, oh, I'm not bold enough. God has placed a specific boldness within you. Bold does not mean loud. Bold does not mean in your face. Bold does not mean how I preach. Bold does not mean how Pastor Terrence preaches. Bold does not mean how Elder John preaches and teaches. Boldness is an urgency in you to show and display the love of God and to draw people back to the Father. Boldness is a choice, and we need to choose it daily. Alrighty, can we go to uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 14, please? 
So I'm old school. I like my Bible with my super cute 90s Bible case. Check it out, check it out, check it out. I know, it's pretty great. My grandma gave it to me when I was like eight or something. I won't tell you how old it is because that'll tell you how old I am, but it's old. Alrighty, so we're going to go to verse 14. I'm just going to read it out while it comes up there. Um, 2 Timothy 2 verse 14 says, Remind the people of these facts and solemnly charge them in the presence of the Lord to avoid petty controversy over words, which does no good. This is me. I'm charging you. Avoid petty controversy over words. Arguing for argument's sake does no good. People just leave mad. People don't leave changed. It's useless. Don't waste your words. Because upsets undermine the faith of the hearers. That's something we need to recognize and remember. But, and this is what we're doing here. This is why we're here. Study and be eager. And do your utmost to present yourself to God approved. Tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Avoid all empty, vain, useless, idle talk, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. What we say matters. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And if you do not study and be eager to show yourself approved, walking through and passing the test and learning from the test, even that we fail, that God presents to you, you will lead people astray. We need to lead people to the Father, not pull them away by speaking out of foolishness or wanting to sound smart and not actually understanding what we're talking about. If you don't know, ask the question. And that's why it's so important as the church for us, myself included, for us to be humble. If we don't know the answer, we can't just spout off what sounds good because it could actually, it will do more damage than good. We need to do our research and we need to ask our questions. And we need to be willing to learn, be teachable. The best way you can win souls is by being a student of the word, a student of godly men and women in your life. And then gather what they have to give to you. And then from that place, speak into the lives of those around you. Does that make sense? Because we do not want to lead our brothers and sisters astray. It is vital that we speak life and ask when we don't know. There is no shame in not knowing. I'll tell you a quick story. I'm a teacher. And the reality is I've got and worked through some learning difficulties. I was an English teacher for a couple of years. And I can't spell to save my life. Um, and I'm a really slow reader. And so I always tell my students right off the bat, hey, I can't spell. So if I'm writing on the board and you notice a spelling mistake, Tell me, because I want to learn. And it takes down the walls that so many kids have when interacting with their teacher because they're like, hold up, she just admitted that she can't do something. That doesn't happen. And it's so important for us as teachers of the word, for us as soul winners, for us as people trying to spread the goodness of God and walk in our boldness to also admit when we don't know. And the best thing is if someone asks you a theological question, you don't know the answer, be like, hey, you know what? 
I actually don't know the answer to that, but I know who does. So give me a couple days, I'll ask them, I'll see what the answer is, and then I'll come back to you. Is that cool? Nine times out of 10, they will be so on board with that response. If they're not, then they just want to argue with you. And it's not even worth your breath. Don't, don't waste it. It's not worth it. But let's be a church that admits when we don't know and is willing to then ask, study, and be eager to understand the word so that we can share accurately. Does that make sense? So the word, Jesus, is essential. And through hearing the word and hearing about God, um, our faith, curiosity, and anticipation increases. But we can only truly know God through experience. So if all we needed was the word, the word would not have had to become flesh. It's so important. If all we needed was logos, this book right here, then Jesus didn't need to come. He didn't need to live. He didn't need to work among us. He didn't need to do miracle signs and wonders to win souls. He didn't need to die. He didn't need to go to hell. He didn't need to grab the keys. He didn't need to rise, raise, raise, rise, rise again, <laughs> whatever the word is. He didn't need to do any of that mess. But we need more than the word. It's the word who is Jesus it's the Holy Spirit and it's God the Father. We need the Trinity to give us understanding, to give us rhema when we're studying, which is inspired thoughts and understanding that comes while reading the word, while hearing the word spoken. Thoughts that align with what the word is saying, but it doesn't have to be word for word scripture. Anyone heard of paraphrasing? We do it all the time. And sometimes the Holy Spirit just needs to paraphrase a scripture, get it into our spirit so that we understand it better and are able to share that paraphrase with someone else. So someone who doesn't understand biblical spiritual mumbo jumbo can get the word of God, can get the love of God, can understand who God is. That is a hook. Paraphrasing is a hook for people who don't feel they're academic, who want nothing to do with the church, who don't understand what these words are saying. Let's use our bait well. Get people on the hook. Paraphrasing is not a sin. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you his inspired interpretation of what's going on in here. We need both. If we didn't, Jesus wouldn't have come. All right. How do we experience God? It's a good question, right? I think experience is gained through testing, trials, and proving, seeking God's faith and experiencing, seeking God's face and experiencing his presence. So examples of how we do that, praise, worship, going to church, interacting with one another, right? But actually one of the primary ways we experience God is you, through you, through each and every one of you. Um, can you put up 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2 to 6? If you don't believe me, I'm going to show you in the word. Here we go. Nice. 
Yeah, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2. It says, hmm, that's not it. There we are. It says, no, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation, our credentials. This is Paul talking. Written in your hearts to be known, perceived, recognized, and read by everybody. You show and make obvious that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts on tablets of human hearts. You want to preach the gospel? Be the gospel. You want to lead people to Christ? Show them who Christ is. Let your actions be the word that people read. Let your words be the word people read. Paraphrase. Let your choices align with the word of God. Be different. Be outstanding. Be revolutionary. Be the word of God. Be the word of God. That is the best way that you can articulate the gospel. The best way. You are a living epistle. A living epistle written not by hand with ink, but written on your heart with the word of God. What comes from your heart should be an overflow of the word. It's like, I will hide your word in my heart. It's not just a good song. It's a lifestyle. It's necessary. It's what we need to do. We don't just hide his word in our heart because it sounds cute and poetic. We literally need to write it, tattoo it on us so that the overflow of our heart is the word of God. And we are like Christ. It says be Christ-like. So be Christ-like. You are the word. Soul win through your life. Amen? People who do not know Jesus need to experience who he is through you. Yes, church, worship, reading the Bible are ways we experience who God is. But for those who never step inside the church, do they encounter Jesus through your life? And that is a real question that I implore you to ask yourself tonight. Do people encounter Jesus through your life? Next slide, please, Jasmine. Um, question again, how do we become a reflection of Jesus? How do we ensure who we are reveals who God is to those around us? All right, two little questions for you. Um, can you put up 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11 to 16? This is the answer to the how, to the question. First Corinthians 2, verse 11 to 16. So it says, For what a person perceives, knows, and understands, what passes through a man's thoughts, except man's own spirit within him. Just so no one discerns, comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God, except the spirit of God. Oh, okay. I read that in a weird way. But anyways, I'll read it again. For what person perceives, knows, and understands what passes through a man's thoughts except 
the man's own spirit within him. Just so no one discerns, comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing so fiercely, freely, and lavishly. Sorry, I was checking my time bestowed on us by God. And we are setting these truths forth in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. But the natural non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God. For they are folly, meaningless nonsense to him. And he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them. Because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. So. Oh, next, sorry. But the spiritual man tries all things. He examines, investigates, inquires into questions and discerns all things. Yet is himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. He can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern or, uh, discern or appraise or get an insight into him. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge. But, so this is the key. This is the answer. All of that was the lead up. How do we become a reflection of Jesus? How do we ensure who we are reveals who God is to those around us? We have the mind of Christ and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. If we are going to be effective soul winners, we need the mind of Christ. This is not optional or negotiable. The mind of Christ is necessary for us to be effective in winning the souls of his people back to him. Can you put up Romans 12, verse one to two? It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you in view of all of God's mercies to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all of your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So do not be conformed to this world fashioned after and adapted to its exer external superficial customs, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in order to win souls effectively, we have to adopt the mind of Christ. We have to renew our minds. And one question that I'd been pondering for a while is, how do I renew my mind? What does that actually practically look like? So Jasmine, can you go to the next slide for me? And the answer, one time I was thinking and thinking and thinking, and I had this season where I had a lot of students coming to me and asking, um, how do they deal with anxiety? How do they deal with issues like just in their thought life and stuff going on in their head? 
And I started to read through Philippians 4, verse 4 to 9. And the answer was right there. So step one, how do we renew our minds? Praise and worship. It's a huge part of why we're here. It's praise and worship. Verse four says, rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in him. And again, I say rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerations, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He's coming soon. So how do I renew my mind? Praise and worship. And that's a huge part of what we do at LoveQuest and why we do what we do at LoveQuest. Number two, how do I renew my mind? Thanksgiving. It says literally to give thanks to God. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving is a huge part of transforming not just the thoughts in your head, but the actual chemistry of your brain. When you sing, there are sound waves that are released that impact your physical body. And positive thinking, positive lyrics, actual different frequencies, they trigger different brain connections to be made and other negative ones to actually separate. You physically change your mind through praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Our next instruction says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. So it's like, okay, cool. So you're telling me don't have anxiety about anything, but what if that's just part of what's going on in my body right now? I'm telling you, continue to stay in praise and worship. Continue to be in thanksgiving. Regardless of your circumstances, bring them to the Father through prayer and petition, through meditation. Yes, there are medical things that you can do that are helpful for a season, but long, lifelong, lasting impact comes from praise and worship, thanksgiving, prayer and meditation. And then the next step is to examine our thought life. God's peace be yours, that tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot, whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How do we get that peace? Praise and worship, thanksgiving, prayer and meditation, and that peace will come like a helmet and garrison and guard your mind, giving you space to number four, examine your thought life. For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemingly, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any thing worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your mind on these things. Practice. Number five, it's not a quick fix. This is a lifestyle. In order to be able to win souls effectively, you have to be willing to do the work. Soul winning is a selfless act. If you are not willing to do the work, you will be ineffective. And this is not a condemnation. This is not a tear down. This is not to make you feel bad. This is an encouragement and giving you a toolkit to begin to truly examine yourself and figure on what's going on. I'll be real with you. This week, my mind had been bombarded consistently. And it happens in my waking and it happens in my sleeping. I can't escape it. But 
praise and worship, but thanksgiving, but prayer and meditation, but examining my thought life and taking those thoughts captive, but practice. I have to actively practice every single day and focus on what is worthy, what is noble, what is good, what is loving, what is kind, what is good in my life. I have to give thanks. And that practice sees me through the valleys. That practice sees me through the dark nights when I've had nightmares that are unspeakable and I wake up terrified. The practice sees me through. The prayer sees me through. The thanksgiving sees me through. And God is winning my soul through my practice so that I can stand and release the word that he has given to win your souls. We have to practice. It's not a simple whatever step process. We have to actively use the word of God and put it into practice so that we can study and show ourselves approved when the testings come in the night. When the testings come in the valley, because they're going to come. And they're going to come when you're at your weakest. They're going to come when you're at your lowest. They're going to come when you feel like you cannot overcome. They come. But God. But God, and he's given us tools equipping is soul winning and this is a house that equips you it equips you with the word it equips you with worse equips you whatever just getting started just getting started with us how much time do i got life left do we know i think it's frozen four minutes beautiful that's all i need so soul winning starts with you and that's how we renew our minds. We have to renew our minds so that what we present to people is an overflow of who God is. We want to share his mind with people. We want to operate out of our new creation, not our old man. We want to operate out of transformation, not who we were. Who we were it's for the birds, man. It's not it. We need who God has called us to be. Omalicha. <laughs> we need who God has called us to be. Soul winning starts with you. And you cannot lead people where you are unwilling to go. You just can't. It's a heart change inspired by encounter that causes what we say to change. The mouth speaks whatever is abundant in the heart. And this brings me to the next slide. Soul winning requires true submission to God and godly authority. And let me tell you, I'm one of those who fought and fought and fought and fought literally until quite recently. I got absolutely wrecked in a leaders meeting maybe a month and a half ago. And I realized still I was operating out of an orphan spirit and I wasn't submitted. I was afraid to let people in. Afraid that somehow whatever's going on in me would be a disappointment. And maybe they would take away my place on the worship team. Maybe they would take away what I'd been ordained to do. Maybe I'd be punished because I didn't measure up. But that's an orphan spirit. God is no respecters of person and persons. And he gives gifts without repentance. If you are willingly putting in the work and actively submitting to him and godly authority that he has placed in your life, then he will work with you through your stuff. But you have to be submitted. You have to be willing to humble yourself and to put down your pride for the sake of others. 
Soul winning is not about you. Soul winning is about you laying down your pride and experiencing true submission to God and godly authority. Make sense? Next slide, please. Okay, question. Who do you answer to? Whose voice has weight in your life and decision making? And again, those answers are telling. And I, I encourage you, write them down and ask yourself seriously. Because whoever you answer to, whoever has weight in your decision making, that's who you're actually submitted to. That's where you worship. So you got to really consider whose words have choice-making weight in your life. It's important. Next slide, please. So again, soul winning requires conviction and convictedness. And I did a little research. The word convince actually means with conquer. And so what that means is when you are convinced, conviction carries conquering power. So when we are trying to soul win, it is essential that we walk in conviction because there is overcoming and conquering power within the conviction that we hold that is informed by the word of God. Next, please. Soul winning is selfless. Witnessing is exhibiting. And disciplining is discipleship. So our push for promise has stolen our passion for people. We can't let it continue to steal that. When we follow Jesus, we live with him and cannot help but tell people about him. It's the overflow we're talking about that comes from transformed hearts and minds. Also, witnessing is exhibiting. Your life should be a living example and exhibit of Jesus' character and likeness. Your lifestyle is your witness, and soul winning is a lifestyle. And finally, soul winning is the expression of God's love. Discipline is the equipping of God's children through the exercising, not exorcision there, of God's word. <laughs> Jasmine, can you quickly... Um, head to the last slide. So soul winning and discipleship is the secret sauce in kingdom building. Soul winning is the father's heart. Soul winning always leads to God's prepared work for you. Soul winning destroys the work and momentum of the kingdom of darkness. Soul winning is an issue of the heart and fruit of the anointing, not a byproduct of education. And finally, the very last one. The closest walk we can have with the Lord is when we live as soul winners and become present and available for the harvest field, which is where he is. Out of all creation, only his masterpiece can partner with him to execute his master plan, a masterpiece that has been free indeed, which is you, delivered and anointed to co-labor in sharing the master's mind. If we were not made in his image and likeness, he couldn't use us. Knowing who you are is vital when withstanding the customized persecution designed for you as a soul winner. So as we finish this part tonight, I want you to repeat after me. Say, I am a soul winner. Say, I am a soul winner. In Jesus' name. Now please, help me welcome up Elder John.
Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Give me, give me a little setup real quick. Yeah, move the table down there. And I got some changes. I got some changes. I need me a chair. I'll give you the nod when it starts my time. All that's part of my setup. Okay. Come on. The Love Quest International Church Theater Players. You may ascend the stage now. Right. Exactly. I want you right here. You right here. Okay. Be quick now. Be quick. Y'all wasting time now. Being slow. Okay. Right. I want you on this side over here. Okay. I want you on this side over here. Try. Yeah, come here. I want you standing right here on top of this chair. Bring your microphone. You may need to speak into it. I don't know yet. Okay. You got it? Okay. So, here. I want you to go these two like this. Okay. Got it. So, what I want to do is, what I'm helping to do today is to help y'all catch a heart for prayer for soul winning. And how to pray into it. Okay, so I got a visual for you. Ta-da! Let's give him a big hand clap. Pastor Dylan, Pastor Dylan, you stay right there. Pastor Dylan's part of it too. I got a different role for him. Okay, so what right here? You can start. This is our soul that needs saving, or soul that needs winning. There's a difference between soul saving and soul winning. Soul saving is when you go from darkness to light. So winning is what you do always, all the time to help people grow more fully into the kingdom. You got it? Pastor says it all the time. He's still winning all of our souls, right? So winning is different than just soul saving. So here's someone who needs soul winning, okay? And that's very important that you get the picture of who this person represents. Not someone just who's lost. It can't include that, okay? But so someone who needs soul winning, good? Okay, good. She looks like she needs soul winning too, don't she? Can't you tell? Don't laugh. We all do. That's how all of us look. Okay. Now over here, I'm gonna have you. I'm gonna have you face this way. Take the strap. Put around her waist. You can put it on. You can put your arms up. Like that. Okay. Right. Okay. Now she represents the stuff that holds people back from the fullness of God. Okay, you got it? Now, now, one of the reasons I chose her, I believe the Lord illuminated her, why? Look how nice she looks. Look how together she looks. This, that's Sion. She wouldn't hurt nobody. That's Sion. She's so full of joy and love. See, that's what, that's what happens. The things that hold you back don't come in ugly packages. Otherwise, you see them and you go the other way. Too often, the things that hold you back, you think are cute and you play with it. Okay? It's like someone who brings a lion cub into their house because they're just a little puppy. Okay? Not understanding that what's in that can destroy you and take you out. The more you feed it, the more you nurture it. Okay? So this represents someone hold, holding back. Okay? This represents the voice of God and represents God. Okay? Who's able to speak and reveal things into our lives. This one represents the one, the laborer sitting to the harvest. Got it? Okay, you good? And this one here, over here, 
This one represents you. Okay. Now, now, can you be any of those places? Yeah, you can be in any one of those places. But this one here, Pastor Dylan, he represents you. Okay? From your position, particularly through prayer, you impact this, 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 and this. You get it? Okay? Now, you don't control it. You impact it. Okay? What's the difference? Control means you're deciding. Impacting means I'm coming alongside of what God's already doing. I'm coming along into agreement with God's plan. Okay? You're able to impact it. Now, one of the things you may ask is this. Well, how can I impact this one? Because this is God. So, if my... Uh, so, so if... Um, so if I was going to, um, uh, if I was going to have someone come over to my house and my parents offered to make like three hot dogs, but I brought someone else who needed another hot dog, what do you think they would do? They'd get a fourth, right? My invitation to the Lord began to move the Lord in a certain sort of way. Does that make sense? Y'all yeah. got that? So you do have impact there. Now, I want, you, I want you to have this picture in mind, okay, as we go through a few things regarding the script. Everyone got that picture? Everyone do this. Everyone do this. Do this. Right? Do this. You got to do your head to do this. And blink your eyes. Take a picture. Okay? You, you got to take a picture, okay? You got it? All right. Y'all can, dis, can dismount. So give them a big hand clap. You can bring the table back up. You can bring the table back up. And the chair back up, and we'll continue to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. While they do that, I just want to thank our pastors again for another opportunity to share the word of God. It always um, is, a, is a privilege and an honor, particularly as it relates to soul winning, which is something very close and near and dear to their hearts. And so I thank you for the opportunity to do so today. All I need is my tablet, which is over there on the other side. Ooh, it's hot. I also want to give a special thanks to my wife. Thirty years she's been winning my soul. Thirty years she's been winning my soul, not to her, but to God. At great sacrifice and great cost, uh, at great pain at times and a great trial, she hasn't quit up on God, and that's why she hasn't quit up, quit on me. And I'm eternally forever grateful. I said to my daughter Grace when she was born that she saved my life, and she did. That's another story for another time if you haven't already heard it. But I say this to my wife every day, every day, you save my life every day. Thank you for that. Amen? Amen. So with that being said, how do we pray in the soul winning? Okay? Y'all remember the picture, right? So the first step is this. When you're praying into soul winning, you got to do more than just pray, Lord, send people. As you can see, there's different elements we discussed, different elements we looked at. And at any point in time, you may need to be praying specifically about one of those elements. Does that make sense? Okay. So what's the first one? I got to take this thing off. It's a little hotter in here. Watch out. Anyway. Um... So uh, the, the first part is this. What kind of things are holding you back? That's the person that was right here. 
okay? The first thing you want to be thinking about when you're praying to win souls is what's holding people back, right? It makes sense because if I can deal with what's holding people back, then they're free to respond. If I'm not dealing with what's holding people back from, thank you, because we're going to do some praying into this actively in this space, in this place, at the conclusion of this time. Amen? Amen. Uh, everyone say, I'm so excited. Good. Here's some scriptures that deal with that. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Uh, Colossians 2.8. And 2 Corinthians 10.3-5. through 5. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. I'm going to take you to that. Can you put that one up for me very quickly? What that talks about is how the minds of people are blinded from the light of the gospel. Okay? People are not just ignoring the gospel. People are being actively blinded from seeing the light of the glory of God that's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing... The illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image and likeness of God. So one of the first things you can be praying into is the things that blind people, right? Now, I'm not going to get into the other verses, but what are some of the things that blind people? The thing that blinds people the most is philosophies and ways of thinking, prejudices, ideas you have about God and about Christ and about yourself. They blind you. Here's an example. God would never want to do, do anything with me. Given what I've done, who told you that? Where did that thought process, where did that philosophy come from? Okay, I'm going to give you one here. That's why I appreciate health in our house. Okay, my wife. You see my wife, Elder Roseanne? She said one of the reasons she didn't come to church earlier in her life is because she didn't think she fit in. Because all the people she saw at church were much bigger than she was. And she was very, very thin. So much she had issues and problems and people made fun of her. So she thought, I couldn't go into that place. That's a philosophy, a way of thinking. Here's another one. That church, they too young. That church, they too loud. That church, they just a black church. All those are philosophies that keep people from receiving and everything that God has for them. Okay? So what philosophies, what ways of thinking are blinding people from the truth? Okay, what, 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 what has God told you? And if you look at Genesis, you see that's the basic foundation of, of, of Satan and his camp. I'm going to try to tell you something that's going to get in your mind that cause you to think differently than what God has said. Okay, so cars don't blind you. Thinking that cars are your worth and your value blinds you. You got it? So, so those are some of the things that, that kind of hold you back. Now, the next category we'll talk about is what comes down from above, right? Matthew 16, verses 6 through, 16 through 18. Put that one up, please, for me. And I'm giving you a sequence that I think is important, okay? So the first part is what holds back. next part is what comes down. And I tell you, Peter... Uh, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Keep going. My church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. Keep going. Keep going. I'll hold out against it. Keep going. 
uh, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. There's, maybe it's in the verse above it. It says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Maybe in the verse above it. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Jesus says. Revelation comes from God. It was only them getting revelation of Christ that allowed them to understand who he was. Okay? You cannot just willfully, in your own intellect, choose to follow God. You need revelation of him. The Bible is the word. But you need the spirit breathing on the word to bring you revelation and illumination of the truth of the word. That's why atheists can read it and not get transformed. Because there's a component to it that they're not adding. They're a component of vulnerability and yielding to the spirit that allows you to go from information to illumination and to revelation. Okay? So for people, souls to be one, they have to have revelation come. Now, God is always inclined to release revelation. So what do our prayers about that do? It really just implores our Father to continue to do what he's already doing, even if someone who we're praying for has chosen and said, nope, uh-uh. Okay? The example of the hot dog. So I bring my friend over to the house, and I, and I say, you want to stay for dinner? Yeah, 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 okay, good. And so they give him a hot dog, and he's like, man, I don't want that hot dog. I don't want it. And push the plate away. And I go... Dad, don't worry, I got, I got this. Bruh, there's something that comes after the hot dog, man. Dad, hold on the hot dog. I want you to give it to him just again one more time. There's something that comes on after the hot dog. Dad, what comes after the hot dog? Ice cream. Bruh, you want ice cream? That's some revelation coming to you now, but what comes after the hot dog? Brother, eat the hot dog. Oh, okay, cool, thank you. I pushed it away. But because of your intercession, new revelation came that allows me to embrace that which I rejected before. Okay? You got it? So revelation is important. Here's some scriptures I want to give you for that. Matthew 6, 16 through 18. John 6, 4 says this. No man comes to the Father unless he's drawn by the Father. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. Christ dwells in your heart by faith. That's a, that's a prayer. That Christ would dwell in your heart by faith and you would know the love of God. It's the revelation of Christ in your heart and the love of God that transforms you. Okay? And that's something you can pray for people that don't know the Lord as well as people that do know the Lord. Because we're faith people. And then Luke 15, 16 through 17. I want to uh, take you to that one. Put that one up. We're doing real good on time. Okay, here we go. And he would gladly have fed and filled his belly with the carapods that the hogs were eating, but they could not satisfy his hunger. Prodigal son story. And nobody gave him anything better. Keep going. Then when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have enough food? And even food to spare, but I am perishing. Stop there. What is you, what's the heart of that, of that screen? A question. Right? Sometimes you're praying, God, reveal to them the questions they need to be asking. It's in the context of the question that he got some revelation about his position and his relationship. Does that make sense? Okay. Sometimes people need to know the questions they need to be asking. God revealed to them, help them to ask the questions they need to be asking. Help them to ask the questions about their condition that they're ignoring. Things like, how's that working for you? Dr. Phil used to always say that on his, on his program. 
He'd bring people up, and they'd be in the, in, in, in the midst of pathology of some sort, and he'd say, okay, good. How's that working for you? Right? That question prompts you to think critically sometimes about what it is you're doing. How's that working for you? And sometimes it's you asking the question of yourself that makes a difference even more so than me asking it of you. Okay? So part of that revelation from God we pray for is revelation of the right questions. Okay? And God deals in the questions in a great and most glorious way. Um, uh, and we're going to pick up questions in the last part. So that's the come down. Now, the enemy's been loosed. God has given revelation. What's the next part you need to be praying about? That people act on the revelation they've been given. Okay? How many people say things like this? Man, I wish I had done this a long time ago. I mean, man, why, what took me so long? Sometimes it wasn't anything holding you back. It was just you deciding to step forward. Okay? Let me tell you what gets people to come back to church more often than the music, more often than the word preached. No disrespect to the music or the word. You know what most consistently gets people to coming back to church? Is this. Hey, please come back again. Just asking and inviting people to come back again. You'd be surprised how that little prompt makes a difference. Okay? Sometimes as you're standing here, and, we, and I'm kind of crossing over to the other side a little bit. Sometimes it's just that little prompt of, hey, try again. Okay, I will. It may not take much to get you to act. Okay? But there's something that could be prompting you to act. So, in that space, I call it the act on phase. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. You must believe with your heart unto righteousness, and then with confession, you, uh, you confess unto salvation. It says you participate in salvation through your confession. One of the first things you have to act on is they're, they're speaking it. So when they get revelation, they have to be willing to say it. So your prayer is that what's revealed in their spirit gets communicated through their lips. That's, their, that's your part of your prayer. What did Peter say? He got the revelation, then he said it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. It was his speaking it that released it and activated it in a different sort of way. So you got to be praying for people to speak what it is God is saying. You got to be praying that they have boldness. That's another one. Uh, uh, Acts 4, 29 through 31. That they have boldness, even in the face of threats, to act on what God is revealing in their life. Okay? You're praying for boldness and courage to step forward into what God has released. That's the act on phase. And then lastly is the send forth phase. Okay? Acts 16, 14 says this. One of the things you have to be praying about, well, first of all, before we get to that verse, you can put that one up. One of the things you have to really do is you got to believe it. You can't produce greater. It's rare you can produce greater than your ability. In your belief. Okay? You can't say, I'm going to love you with everything, but don't love myself. Okay? I can't pray for your soul to be one when mine ain't one. I can't pray for you to make a full commitment to Christ when I'm Jesus and, as Pastor said. Okay? My first thing is I got to make sure that I, my soul is one. I fully believe what I'm praying. I'm fully believing what I'm saying. I'm fully dependent on what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about. Right? Because even if the people don't understand, the enemy knows that. 
Okay? The, the enemy know the difference between Denzel Washington and a comedian imitating Denzel Washington. They may sound just alike. Jay Farrell may sound like them, but people know the difference between Denzel and Jay Farrell impersonating them. When you don't have any belief, you sound like an impersonator. Okay? And the enemy, like, I ain't got to back off jack off that. And if I flex on you, you'll back up real quick. Because I ain't pretending about who I am. I'm being who I am. Okay? So you really got to believe and be anchored in that very thing. Acts 16, 14 says this. One of those who listened to us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a dealer in fabrics dyed in purple. She was already a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. You have to be believing that when you speak, God will open hearts. Father, I thank you that as I begin a process of praying for people's souls to be one, as I speak, hearts, oh, hearts will open. And hearts are opening as you speak. Okay? It's your job to speak. It's God's job, God's job to open hearts. Okay? Uh, Matthew 9, 38 talks about sending forth laborers into the harvest. But Isaiah 6, 8 is a companion verse. You can put the 10 up there. Isaiah 6, 8 is the companion verse. You know what Isaiah 6, 8 says? The Father says this. God says this. Who will go for us? Here am I. Send me. If you don't want to be the laborer, that's going to limit your effectiveness in praying for laborers to be released. Okay? The more you want to be the laborer, the more God's going to be like, no, nah, I'm going to keep you here because you're praying hot. I'm going to send somebody else. I like what you're doing because you, really, you so want to be the laborer, that's fusing your prayer. It's energizing your prayer. Okay? So I'm going to keep you right here producing laborers rather than maybe being the laborer that goes out but still having a hand in in the soul winning, but you got to be willing to go. Um, here's a couple other ones. John 4, 7, you got to be able to ask the right questions. The right questions. God, have the laborers ask the right questions. John 4, woman at the well, can you give me something to drink? He asked the right question. Right? Questions are ways of God act accessing people's hearts in a very direct way. So God, what's the questions I need to be asking? What's the questions I need to be sharing as one who's, as a laborer going forward? Matthew 14, 13 through 14, Jesus just had his cousin's head chopped off and heard about it, how it was on display. He went out to mourn his cousin and people came out to be healed. He says, move with compassion. He turned and healed them. Seeing them as sheep without a shepherd, he turned and healed them. You always got to have compassion welling up in those that laborers that are going forward. Father, let the laborers have compassion. So even though they're going in to buy their food because dinner's late, they move with compassion to the person that's in the aisle next to them. And not so caught up and focused on that, they're not moved and seeing the people that are around them. Okay? Um, and Matthew 10, 14. That one says, basically, shake the dust from your feet from that town. They don't want you to shake the dust. While you have to be moved with compassion, you got to know when it's time for you to keep stepping. That's the key to soul winning. Because sometimes when you keep blocking up the line, the person behind you that's going to make the difference of what you sown can't get through. 
God says this, one, one, one sows, one waters, but God gives the increase. And if you're still so caught up on your sowing and your sowing and your sowing, bro, with the water bucket back here going like, bro, I ain't got all day. This water drying up and it's spilling out the bucket, man. Sometimes you got to kick dust and, go, and, go, and keep moving so that other people God has can come in behind that. Okay? You're not saving nobody. You're speaking God's opening hearts for people to receive. Okay? You got it? Does that make sense? Okay, so what I'm going to do is this, as we pray into this. DJ going to put some good music on. We're going to do this picture again. Come back up, players. Y'all got all them scriptures? Y'all got them? Okay, good. What they for? No, what they for? No, what they for? No, what they for? What they for? They're for me to use to pray into. They're for me to know how to pray. They're for me to use in my, they're not just to use to pray into. They're for me to do it. That's why we give you all them scriptures. So that way you can take them because it's for you to do it. Not just for somebody else to do it. It's for you to know it. It's for you to be able to say, yeah, this verse, that scripture, God, according to that verse, yes, God, I'm praying for that. See, this is who we are. This is not something we're putting on as a church, okay? This is the reason you're being equipped and to be mobilized in this fashion. It's DNA of who we are as a community, not because some book told us to do it. It's a love command and a love unction in us that says, man, if I can be saved, then so can you. Does that make sense? So it's for you to do it, right? Here am I, Lord, send me. So here's the picture. Put some music on a little bit. I'm going to ask you to, you can sit. We're going to begin to pray into this, okay? Y'all go ahead and start praying. I don't know what to pray. Pick one of the categories. I gave you the scriptures, right? Pick the scripture to talk about being held back from something. Pick a scripture that talks about having courage to step into something. Pick a scripture that says, God, give them revelation of something. Pick a scripture that says, God, send a laborer towards them with the right questions. Pick a scripture. Pick something. And start praying it. Go ahead. We're listening. And heaven's listening. Okay, press pause. How many of y'all have a nine on a scale of one to ten? How many of y'all have a, have a ten confidence level in what you're praying? Okay. How many of y'all have a nine confidence level in what you're praying? Okay. How many of y'all have an eight confidence level in what you're praying? How many of y'all have a seven confidence level in what you're praying? How many of y'all have a five or lower confidence level in what you're praying? Okay. Now, we, now y'all going to help everybody. Okay. Here's the quickest way you increase your confidence in what you're praying is you use your testimony. Okay. Lord, he threw all them scriptures at me. I don't know what Bible is. He's talking loud. He's looking kind of big. I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm participating. What do I do? 
Father, what he said and them scriptures about getting them set free, you did it for me, God. Do for them getting them free to be able to receive what you did for me. God, you got me to make a decision, God. Do for them, whoever the them is. Do for them to give them the boldness the way you gave me the boldness to come in that church. Give them the boldness the way you gave me the boldness to humble myself and say, God, I need you. God, give them the revelation the way you gave me the revelation that I was prideful and selfish and bound and needed help. And I was lost and on my way to destruction. You see what I'm saying? You pray for your testimony. And God, get God, do it. the way you sent me to ask my friend to come to church, send all the laborers to them. The way you sent someone to ask me, the way you sent a laborer to me, send other laborers to the other people that I know. Because they did it for me and I'm here. So do it for somebody else. You gotta find a place to anchor your faith where you can pray on that seven, eight, nine, ten level. Okay? Otherwise, all you're praying is used to just trying to build your faith up. Okay? You got to get your faith at production level. Now, how do you keep your faith at production level? By always declaring the word. By always walking amongst believers in faith. By always being in an atmosphere of worship of what God can do and who he is. That keeps your faith at a production level. So that any place, anywhere, anytime, it can make a difference. Okay? You got it? So I'm going to ask you this. I'm not using up my prayer time. I'm trying to make my prayer time more effective. See? Because two minutes of eight, nine, ten confidence level prayer time does more work than ten minutes of three, four, five, six. Okay? So, y'all had conversations when y'all came in here to church today on the last time you came. How much of your conversation revolved around souls? How much of your conversation revolved around, man, how's your prayer life versus nice kicks? How much of your conversation revolved around, man, God's been speaking to me through that message. What's he been saying to you? You see what I'm saying? Okay. The more your conversation is about what God's doing to win your soul and transform your soul and what's God doing to transform their souls, the more your conversation is about soul winning, then the more confidence you always have when you're called upon at any point in time. And the more you've really delved down into the fact that what God has done to save your soul, to win your soul, to continue to win your soul, then the more confidence you have to say, God, I ain't got a lot of scripture in me yet. At least in my mind. It's in my spirit, but at least in my mind. But God, I know what you did for me. God, do it for them. They need it now. You got to pray from a place of confidence. So in our last few minutes here, we're going to pray. You pick a spot. Pick something. And while y'all are illustrating, y'all need to be praying too. Okay? Just begin to pray. I'm feeling eight, nines, and tens in a room now. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Work gets done quickly when I feel eight, nines, and tens in the room. That's it. That's it. That's it. Father, we thank you. The things that are blinding the people that need to see you, God, that's bound and broken. All the philosophies, all 
all the thoughts about them, all the stuff that mama told them, that daddy told them, that's transformed their thinking into a bunch of lies. We cast that down. They're loose to receive the gospel and receive Jesus now. Nothing will blind them from the light of the glory of the gospel. Father, we thank you. You're giving revelation to your people to see that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. We thank you, God, no matter how much they reject you. We pray, God, you continue to let your love call them, continue to woo them, continue to pull them in, no matter how much they turn around. God, because I know you did that for me. Do it for them. You wouldn't let me go. Don't let them go. You kept Their love kept coming for me. Keep it coming for them, oh God. Father, I'm thanking you, God, that people are having the courage to choose Jesus, courage to make a choice. Though they're persecuted by their family, though they're persecuted by their circumstance, or even their past, they have the boldness to break free from their past into a new hope, into a new revelation of sonship and trust in you, oh God. We thank you for that, God. They're stepping forward boldness into that. Father, we thank you as they do, and as you prepare them, you send laborers, people with the word, people with the right questions, people with the love of God in their hearts. You're sending them, God, the way you sent them to me. Wave after wave, wave after wave, wave after wave, wave after wave, wave after wave. God, we thank you that you're filling our culture with a culture to win souls. You're filling our culture with a heart for the lost and a heart for those that are one but need to be one continually even more. Father, we just thank you. There's labors in our path to take us to the next levels. There's labors in our path to take us to the next levels. This labor in our past take us to the next level. See, now what we're doing is the Pastor Dylan part right now. We're through our prayer, we're impacting all of these players. Okay? You can win souls from your bedroom. You can win souls from the bathroom. You can win souls from the coffee house. You can win souls on the car on your way home. Through your prayer, you can be activating the whole system of soul winning, bless God. Amen. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord. And we declare. It is done. Matthew Perry went home to get in a hot tub like he'd done many times before, never to get out. With so much hope, so much left to do. Your prayer today makes a difference today. Here's my challenge for you before we leave this room. It's for you to really believe that the prayer you just prayed has made a difference of intervening in someone's life. Where they may have been in place where they were just going to slip away for whatever reason, your prayer had them pulled back up. Because your father said, daughter, son, I hear you. It matters to me too. And because you're asking me to, and you have authority in the earth, I'll go again. Do you believe your prayers made a difference in someone's life tonight? If you do, I just want you to raise your hand. Because even in just raising your hand, you're activating faith on an 8, 9, 10 level that people are not, people, man, I'm telling you. Worship teams, come on up. You can pull the stuff off. <laughs> because of your prayer tonight, when you get to heaven, 
that was going to somebody come up to you and say, listen, my name's Raphael. And you're going to look at them like Raphael who? But you're going to do it with a smile because you're in heaven. You're not supposed to look weird at people in heaven, right? <laughs> Raphael who? And you're going to say, you don't may not remember. But there was a night in November 1st in 2023. God showed me it was your prayer in a garage on the south side of Surrey that broke through and lifted me. And man, I want to say thank you. Because of that prayer, I was able to make it another day. And then his prayer, prayer had me start falling through the net. Allow me to be caught up in the net. To be rescued and be saved and be delivered. I don't know you, man. But I owe you, man. And I want to say thank you for praying that prayer that day. And don't you discount your prayer if you think you was one, two, or three before. Because your testimony, your raising your hand, God used that to connect and do something in somebody's life, maybe who feels the same way you do, that I'm only worth a one in life. Every prayer matters. Every heart matters. Every hand matters. You know why? Because every soul matters. Let's worship now for a bit. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe on all of your favorite streaming platforms and follow us on social media. You can find us on IG and Facebook at LoveQuestINTL Church. We out here. But you know what it is. You know the motto. We out of time, but we ain't out of Jesus. So till next time, get your love fixed, man.